Welcome to the Eden Hour podcast, where we hold important conversations that help grow the long-term Solana NFT ecosystem. During Eden Hour, we talk to creators, thought leaders, and other Solana friends. My name is Tiff, and my co-host is DJ Trix. This podcast is brought to you by Magic Eden, home to the next generation of digital creators on Solana. Hey everyone, my name is Tiffany. I manage content and marketing for Magic Eden. We're super excited to have you here. This is our first episode for the Eden Hour podcast, where we talk to creators, friends, and broader members of the Solana ecosystem. Because this is our first podcast, we wanted to feature our co-founders here at Magic Eden. So here we have Jack, we have Sid, and we have Joshin. And this episode is going to be pretty simple. We're just going to be talking about the story behind Magic Eden, who we are as a company, what makes us different, and some of the things that we're working on. So without further ado, why don't we do introductions? Uh, Jack, you want to go first? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, hey, everyone. I'm Jack, one of the co-founders of Magic Eden. I used to work at FTX. Before that, I worked at uh, Google and an Australian uh, originally. been friends with my co-founders for a long time. So was high school friends with Sid. Uh, and also friends for a long time with Joshin uh, in San Francisco. And kind of the story for Magic Eden from, um, from my side was, you know, I've been watching the crypto space for a long time, been like punting on tokens. I never really, I always wanted to start something like Josh and I were kind of brainstorming different ways to, to do something together. But we all thought like, you know, a lot of the spaces that were popping off were around like trading, exchanges, finance kind of stuff, because we came more from like consumer internet backgrounds. Uh, we didn't really know how to like build a product and, and have an edge. Um, but then like when NFTs kind of kicked off, we thought, oh man, like this feels like consumer internet, right? Like stuff that we've done in our day jobs. And this felt like maybe something where we can like really have a big impact then. And then like the other piece of the story was, you know, like Sid and I have been super long friends for a long time. And, um, Sid actually started a, a crypto company. He's one of like the crypto OGs. Um, and I, I went to check out what he was doing back in 2013. And like doing something in crypto has been an idea that he was noodling on for a long time. So yeah, when, when like, you know, like NFTs popped off, I kind of gave him a call to say, hey, dude, like he was in big tech at Facebook at the time. I was like, hey, hey man, like, I know you're pretty bored. Let's get real. <laughs> so uh, let's maybe like do some shit together and like, you know, maybe we can do something in the NFT space. Yeah. And then there was like one last tidbit to the story, which was, was at FTX at the time, we had a pretty like, you know, bird's eye view of the Solana ecosystem. We definitely saw all the growth that was happening uh, and thought like probably doing something in Solana was the, uh, was a good call, so. Cool, let's let's go to Sid and I wanna hear the specific meet cute between Jack and Sid. I believe there's a, a math teacher involved in the story. Yeah, we, uh, so shout out to Dr. He in Box Hill, <laughs> <laughs> who's our math tutor at the moment. Uh, Jack and I, we actually met at um, the train station near my house, sorry, the bus station near my our house when we were going to Dr. He uh, math tutoring for the first time. Uh, <laughs> How old, <laughs> How old was, are you? I, we, I, was, I, I was 16 and, and I think Jack was 16 too. And we and Dr. He was really rough, honestly. It was really tough for me. <laughs> Jack, Jack was always, Jack was always like, incredibly unhelpful, but also likes to flex. He finished the homework every single week, but wouldn't share the answer with me. And I was just like fucking like really struggling. Um, but but you anyway, know, so... a, like, dead weight in the class. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was that guy. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so 
Yeah, so so that's kind of how Jack and I we we met, and then and then you know fast forward a couple of years, I I went to San Francisco, and I was like working, you know, working on a bunch of stuff, and I was like with the San Francisco Bitcoin developer meetup groups, and and in back in 2013, 2014, that was like kind of like a really early days of Bitcoin kind of starting to you know people in the mainstream started to hear about this weird thing, and at that time I you know I was like just really into crypto and you know we worked on a lot of different like consumer internet ideas we we i think we built one of the first like bitcoin tip, tip, tipping bots twitter it was like called i can't remember it's like tip a bot a tip a coin or something tip and coin. we feel like we we also feel like um you know at least like at that time we already had already started thinking about like nft and embedding stuff into the blockchain like we embedded like we built this thing that like embeds like love letters on the blockchain we call it like diamonds are what? carbon but the but the blockchain is forever i can't remember like what, what it was or something like that um and then um and then we it was called love block i think it was like like love notes but like on the blockchain um i think we did like a bunch of other stuff um but it, all of the just like there were things that would get on hacker news for a day and then we'll just die <laughs> you know the, the you know in, in a week and so because I was so involved in like the Bitcoin developers ecosystem, I had this bright idea. I was like, oh, we can't make something consumer work. Maybe let's build a developer product and like allow other developers to build on top of us. And so, but as it turns out, um, the other developers can't get it to work either. So we were just a like, developer product with lots of customers that couldn't make money <laughs> and nobody could pay us. And then, you know, eventually like we actually like, I think another thing that we stumbled upon, you know, apart from like early iterations of NFT, we actually also did something like where you hash an image and you embed into the Bitcoin blockchain as a way to prove that you're the first, like copyrights, you know, also kind of another experiment NFT, which was also a bad idea. It didn't work at all. Yeah. Anyway, so then, you know, uh, eventually we actually built probably one of the first Chrome extension Bitcoin wallets, which Jack has used also. And I think he would say that's actually a very good experience. But at that time, I was like, nobody, like, it was, actually, we really loved it. And all our domestic users also all really loved the Bitcoin Chrome extension wallet. But, you know, it was my, also my bright idea. It was like, dude, Chrome extension wallet would never take off. Like, why would anyone use a Chrome extension wallet? And then and then we shut it down and that was that was the end of all these different iterations. So so definitely Not gonna you know, make like, it. as they say as they say like being early being early is also also a bit of a problem. Um anyway, so yeah, so then after we you know we use all our investors' money, uh and we had no money, um I live on a boat for a little bit. What? I was poor. <laughs> <laughs> I'll live on a Where? boat in Alameda Marina. The Alameda Marina was on uh, on my friend uh, Nate's boat, and Nate actually now works at Match Eden. And um, oh, and, uh, and, uh, and so then um, yeah, so and and then during that time, I was like, oh, like I, I'm done with this crypto thing for a bit. <laughs> this is too tough. Maybe it will never take off. And so yeah, so then I I worked at I started working at uh, Uber. I was one of the first engineers at um, at Uber Eats. You know, I joined Uber Eats before there was Uber Eats. And so, yeah, and, and then we launched the first Uber Eats app and worked on Uber Eats over the next couple of years. And obviously now Uber Eats is a much, much bigger business than when we started, which was, there was no Uber Eats. And primarily worked on a lot of marketplace stuff, you know, marketplace like pricing, ranking, discovery, search, and so on, like all the machine learning work that a marketplace would need. 
I, I worked on. After that, I, I, I went to Uber's uh, self-driving research lab. I was there for, for a while working on like computer vision research and, um, and prediction. And you know, we put, also work on putting the models on the, on the car as well. And then, yeah, then, then after that, I went to Facebook, which was you know, an, an amazing experience. Really liked our team there. It was really fun. But, but I always felt like that there was you know, something missing. And you know, obviously been thinking about NFT since since like love block <laughs> love letters on the blockchain and and yeah and, and as nft became you know just like that use case became clear and clear and i was just like really really into it you know definitely an nft dj myself and um yeah and that's kind of like a little bit of kind of my story of how we got to this point nice how many nfts do you own i i i own a lot of nfts across different anonymous wallets but i also flip them a lot I'm definitely like nice. what people paper call. Hands. I definitely paper am hands what people call paper hand. Uh, when it comes to NFT, I'm definitely more of a paper hand. I I I buy in and out really frequently. Uh, that's uh, that's definitely me. Nice. What was the first collection you aped into? I think the first collection that I aped into was probably like Red Panda Squad that I bought a whole bunch of, uh, and I was kind of really into. I really like the art, especially like the ones where like it says FOMO. I was like, that describes me. Uh, but um, yeah, that's a, it's a little bit about my NFT journey too. Cool. Yeah, we featured them in New York for our first event at a gallery. Yeah. Um, it's a nice collection. It's awesome, man. All right. Last but not least, Joshin, what's up? What's up? I'm Joshin, guys. Nice to meet everyone uh, who's listening. Yeah, so like I, my crypto journey started in 2017. I was wait, I was working basically at like a healthcare startup in in uh, in the Bay Area, and I was like, man, there's got to be more interesting industries than this because like healthcare is just like so slow moving, and we were working on some like enterprise like software thing and like trying to get doctors to adopt it, and I was like, oh my god, this is brutal. And uh, that was like around the time I discovered Ethereum, and like obviously crypto, that was like the last cycle, right? Like Ethereum was kind of popping off. I just thought like, holy shit, like this is, this is what I want to do. This is like, this is where it's at. Um, ended up joining uh, DYDX. I was the second employee at DYDX. When I was at DYDX, like I met, this is actually the time I met Jack and funny. I think like, I can't remember who introduced us, but I remember oh, meeting Jack. Owen. Oh yeah. Owen did. Yeah. Owen, Owen, a friend of ours from Australia. I remember meeting Jack at Bluestone Lane in San Francisco. For those of you on, who, who might be from there, like on Front Street, there's a Bluestone Lane there. And uh, this dude rocks up and he's like very intense looking started me? talking about like viral loops and i was like me yeah <laughs> oh, shit. and i was like it was this big tech guy who's trying to like talk about viral loops and i was like oh shit <laughs> wait later later on is, is my co-founder no but so, so i spent like three years at dydx uh crazy time like back then you know i was in like uh, one of these like telegram groups that was like 12 15 people and that was the uh, the genesis of the term DeFi was formed in that Telegram group. It was like a bunch of like DYDX guys, Dharma, ZeroX, Set Protocol. It was kind of like a core group of early people building DeFi protocols or what was soon to be called DeFi at the time. So all the stuff that is around today on like Ethereum and Solana seems very obvious in hindsight. But back then it was just a bunch of weird teams experimenting on a bunch of protocols. And we, we were one of those at DYDX and we built like... I think our first protocol was for like a, a, a leverage token trading. So all the leverage tokens you see on like FTX and other places now that have have um, 
had that success. We had tried that, didn't didn't work, and tried some other stuff around like margin trading. Um, and now like the iteration of DYDX is like perpetual futures. So it's su- super interesting time. Spent like almost three years there. And then I spent a year and a half at Coinbase as a, as a product manager, uh, working on like basically our institutional product. So I spent, you know, it's kind of an interesting crypto arc where I started my time in DeFi and then went almost the other side of the spectrum, which is like, how do you get hedge funds to buy Bitcoin, which is a super different problem. And then now it's like, how do you get people to buy NFTs? Right. So I feel like I've had a pretty interesting arc and storyline in crypto. And um, when these guys were, were interested in squatting up to start this thing, I was like, yeah, let's let's go. Let's do this. So uh, anyway, that's a bit about my story. Love it. So, OK, let's just talk about the formation of Magic Eden. Clearly, before then, there were lots of uh, lots of attempts at starting businesses and lots of different stories. I love the, the love letters on the blockchain. That's pretty cool. So yeah, how did this whole idea come about? And and walk us through how the name Magic Eden came about, because I know there was one before then. Okay, yeah. I, can, I can start. Um, okay. I'll take credit for the one before that, but Jack is you. Proudly, proudly. <laughs> no, you can take all the credit you want, man. It's all good. <laughs> I think like the story actually started, actually it started with Josh and I, wanted, we were in Denver together, and we wanted to start this other business. We were like pretty into starting something in crypto. I think like by that time I had enough at like Google and stuff. I was like, man, like time to like strike out. And then like we started this, de- like we were semi starting this DeFi <laughs> kind of like a uh, DeFi yield farm fund called uh, Ridgeway Capital. Cause we were staying at this, uh, we-, we were like on this road trip and then <clears throat> we're staying at this town, like lovely town called Ridgeway. And then later on, it was it was kind of going like it was it was going okay I think at that point but we didn't know how big crypto was we were like oh man like we're like earning like two percent a week or three percent a week this is like insane we're like crushing this like let's go and then we saw this other thing like a, a like a Telegram group called Small Acreage Enterprises and we like that's when I added Sid to this Telegram group to like say hey let's like all ape into DeFi together. Um, story was then I, like, I went to, uh, FTX, I was in Hong Kong and then like, I saw a lot of like Solana ecosystem projects and there was this like fervor and this frenzy of like NFTs kicking off and like everyone saying, Hey, this is like the next big category, right. Of, um, this could be like the new DeFi, right. For, uh, um, for crypto and like the next big wave. And there was like a conversation that like, you know, we were having going, man, like some of these marketplaces on Solana were doing so many transactions. They were making like forty, fifty thousand $50,000 a week or something like that. And we we're like, man, like, but these, these websites look like they're made out of WordPress or something like surely we can do better. And surely like, it felt like, you know, because I was surrounded by all these Solana people, like real, like Solana, you know, like Solana maxis, they were like, Hey, Solana is the future of you know, next generation blockchain, uh, super smooth consumer experience. Uh, at that time, I kind of felt like, mm, if that, if we really live up to that vision, like we should deliver like something really polished, right? Like polish is something that like, um, <clears throat> that's needed and pro- probably polish is something that will come, but it'd be great if it comes from, from us, right? So that's when like started like having some calls with Sid, started having some calls with Josh and about like, Hey, maybe we should start an NFT marketplace because the market is obviously there. There's definitely demand for this kind of thing. You know, I think our capabilities are there because this is stuff that we did in our day jobs, especially like Sid 
he really had good intuition about how to build marketplaces, being like an early Uber, uh, Uber Eats um, engineer. And, and Josh and had a ton of like relationships in the space, like with Phantom. You know, we thought like we could form a really good team to, to take a crack at this. And then the name, Magic Eden, like, orig- so I was looking at like startup name generator and then, and then uh, and we were looking at like a bunch of different names and the, uh, they were like, I actually put four, so I saw this name called Magic Den. And I thought, oh, that's like pretty interesting. And then I was like, just thinking about it. And I thought, oh, maybe we should change Den into Eden because you should have this, you know, like, the, you know, this, this, um, it captured this, this sense of like, limitlessness right like capture this sense of like hope right capture this sense of like you know nfts being the future of like culture on the internet you know and i thought that would be pretty cool and i thought like man if we like launch a token in the future like you can get like dollar magic or dollar eden like you can't go wrong with so i was pushing for that name and then (laughs) did uh and another like co-founder of ours who's a non they were like no let's do like peta because PETA is a really big mathematical number. So then we like switched and we were called PETA Bay for a while. And then, actually I'll leave the story here, but then jump in and say like, what happened to that name? Yeah, <laughs> we, can, we can leave it to Sid to clean up the, the scraps of the story. Yeah, so um, the story behind the PETA Bay name is, you know, our art, we actually have one other co-founder, uh, Rex, who is uh, busy today. Uh, he couldn't be here for this call. Him and I were talking, we're like, oh, like we need to come up with a name. And we try a bunch of names and then you know we really like something that's like, oh, like it feels like kind of mathy. <laughs> so I was like, oh like let's do Pella Bay. And then we're all like A painter. We're like, oh, this is so awesome, this is a great name. And so we presented the names for we actually that was like we bought Pelabay.io, we put our like, beta website on Pelabay.io already, and then we started sharing around, and then people were like, uh, what was it, Pedal Bay? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, no, not Pedal Bay, Peta, Peta, <laughs> and then, and then, and then I was like, oh, this guy's an idiot, like he doesn't get it, and then like, and then we went to the next, you know, the next person, and then he's like, oh, what, what Pedal Bay? I was like, okay, like clearly, that's just what people were thinking about, and so that that didn't that didn't stick, and so we decided, and Magin was the other name, and. And, uh, you know, I, I actually didn't really like Magic in the beginning because it sounded like Magic the Gathering, like Mount Gox. I was like, no. <laughs> and, then, and then I was like, okay, whatever. Just like, that's the other name. Let's just go with it. But I think in the end, it actually turned out to be probably one of the best decisions we've made, like in this company, out of, you know, probably like a handful of really good decisions that we made. Like, because Magic Eden, like, I think it's just a very versatile name. One is like, when you expand to new products, like we have a, like a minting product, you can call it the magic minter. You know, everything that you do, it's like magic, something magic, something new, which is really cool. And then the Eden is also really nice because like, you know, to me, NFT represents like property and digital assets inside, you know, uh, the metaverse. And what is a better analogy for the metaverse than the Garden of Eden, where, mm. you know, all the different creatures can, can live happily, coexist peacefully and happily together in the Garden of Eden, you know, and, and so going forward, just all the different product ideas that we have just fits really naturally within this theme. And I just always love Magic Eden from probably like the second week onwards, once I got over Magic, the gathering and then <laughs> Uh, so, so, once, once so yeah, yeah, once, once we, we ruled out Pedal Bay, uh, 
But yeah, definitely like credit to to Jack for always coming up with really good names. I want to give uh, credit to one person when we were wavering on that first name. I remember we shared it with uh, Chris Chris Kalani at Phantom, <laughs> and uh, who's you know fr- friend of friend of mine. And he he was just like, you know what that sounds like, don't you guys? Come on now. <laughs> and that was the title. That was the final nail in the coffin, and I'm very thankful, Chris, that you were you were real with us on that one. It was good, man. Like I obviously secretly I was thinking about Magita. I was like, come on, guys, that's a good name. But then like happy to go with whatever. And then I I have to thank Chris too. I was like, he said it, not me. Come on. <laughs> Immediate screenshot sent it to like our own Telegram guys. Look at this. Nice, love it. I retire. Right. I, I retire from naming stuff. I'm, I I have not named anything apart from my son. Your, <laughs> yeah, your child. All right, that's cool. So now we have a name, Magic Eden. And then, so everyone who follows our Twitter knows that we religiously celebrate our birthdays because I think it's cool to celebrate birthdays. So we're almost three months old. Our first day of trading was September 17th. And I'm curious to hear from your guys' view, what were some of the major milestones across those three months? Um, What are you guys like most proud of? I have to say, like, the first moment that I felt really proud was, like, I think the first day we did, like, $50,000 of trades. And then I remember I was like, guys, we're taking off. <laughs> uh, but obviously, it's nothing like, you know, kind of what we've been since. But I just, I do remember, like, the moments. I don't know if you guys, like, remember those moments, like, where we would, like, feverishly keep refreshing our, like, our program page on Sun Explorer. The moments I remember was, like, the first time that we hit like $100,000 in trades, the first time that we hit a million dollars in trades in a day, another moment that was really special for me was like, you know, so on Solana Explorer, it just says like, you know, how many, like it shows you like the, the, the last 20 transactions and it shows how many minutes ago each transaction was. I remember like at first it was like, the tra- last transaction was 10 minutes ago, an hour ago, and you know, five hours ago, a day ago, or something like that. And I remember like the first time where everything says a few seconds ago because there's just so much traffic that like, you know, we always have a mass amount of, you know, activities going on through our smart contracts. So those are like probably like the first couple of moments that were really, that was like, this is, this is really amazing. Um, maybe, you know, you guys can talk about. Yeah. I think for me, for one, one, the first, the first one, first time for me was uh, the site going down for the first time. Uh, which, which, which then seemed to, which then seemed to happen like every other day because we were growing so quickly. So it's almost like obviously a very good problem to have as a startup that that's happening. Uh, it was almost like, let's buy new machines every day. Let's like go to enterprise grade plan. <laughs> like that sort of stuff was like pretty wild. And that was happening a lot faster than what's typical. And for me, that, that made me realize that there was something here. I think the other thing I'll call out was, Sort of like we were starting to do things that um, were delivering immediate value for our collections. And that was like something that made me feel like, yeah, like what we were building was actually needed. An example of this was, you know, I think maybe even, you know, in the first couple of weeks, two, three weeks in, we sort of figured out a way to list really quickly and like verify collections really quickly from like a provenance standpoint. And we would often get the feedback that, wow, like Magic Eden, that was like, that felt like magic, right? And that made me realize like, okay, like, yeah, there's actually a bunch of cool things that we can still deliver. The space is so early as a ton of value we can still provide. Uh, but those were just some cool moments that made me feel, at least in the early days, that there was some some legs to what we were doing. And I think for me, like, 
the moment was actually like I don't know, like maybe a few, maybe like a month or two months in, like our team was growing. At that time, we didn't have a bunch of like normal company stuff set up or anything like that. I like just wake up and I go on Slack and there's like a bunch of messages and people are collaborating and people who have like never met each other in real life. They, they were just talking to each other, you know, like coming up with new ideas, like cool ideas. And I thought like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like something we're building here is like, it's exciting everyone and everyone loves, you know, w wants to work on this without any of like the caches of like big name company or anything like that. Yeah, I think serving the users as like, Josh was saying that was amazing. <laughs> when we started getting traction, the data was amazing. But then when I actually saw people weren't from our immediate like friends and family circle, believed in what we were doing and uh, willing to like, you know, take a leap of faith with us. I thought that was like pretty amazing. Like, yeah. What are some flexes we have as a marketplace? We were the first marketplace to introduce bidding, right? And then what are some other functionalities that you think have been like really key to collectors and creators? Say, I would say bidding. I would say we were one of the first to like automate this provenance and authenticity checking, right? Like where, you know, the, instead of the user having to come up with a massive hash list that's like super painful for them to come up with, like they can give us one identifier and we can do the rest. So. I mean, to me, the, the flexes that we probably have now, um, you know, I think we do have a lot of, you know, community love uh, as well. Like we do listen to the community a lot and, you know, also thanks to Tiff for telling our story to the community. I, I think the other flexes are probably going to be that today we, you know, we started nothing and, and today we are the largest marketplace, NFT marketplace on Solana by a very, very long shot, really. We are, you know, a few X larger than the rest of the NFT market on Solana combined. We are largest by every metric that you can think of in terms of just the value of the volume, in terms of number of transactions, in terms of number of users, and in terms of amount of listings, like in every conceivable metric that you can have, we are the largest in all of them by far. Uh, and that also, I think it's, it's, it's those are probably the, the flexes that I, I'll, I'll, I'll point to. And yeah, and I think that, you know, that's also a testament that like we are, kind of doing something that the users love. Yeah, I want to give Tiff a big shout out here around like telling our story as well. I think that's been like a pretty pretty big part of what grew a lot of our user base early on. And as part of that as well, I think we were probably one of the first teams that we just were pretty public about who we were. You know, we would do video calls with our collections. We weren't, you know, trying to be anonymous with the teams that we were collaborating with. Yeah, I think that's like pretty important and we still feel pretty strongly about that and you know we're humans like we, we want to have a human element to all of the things that we do so yeah that's a that's a big 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 i think plus to to tiff and the work that she's done on the marketing side thanks yeah i mean it's pretty incredible i think the stats are like two hundred thousand visitors a day on average no, that's 300 more yeah. 300 yeah. and then three hundred thousand. No, that's great. Uh, 300,000 visitors a day. I think the average session is 15 minutes and they open 11 pages on, on average. And I think they come back to us at like, like almost three times on average a day. It's pretty insane. Yeah. My background is like so different than all of yours. Like I, I don't actually come from crypto. My background is actually in hospitality. Um, I used to work at Marriott for like six years. And then I, while I was working at Marriott, I spun up a, an independent publishing company based out of Hong Kong. I was working for Marriott out of Hong Kong. So a lot of my 
like ethos and way of thinking is very, very people oriented and hospitality is like a highly people oriented business. Before that, I worked in design and a little bit of consulting. So it was cool like to, I know it's been great to like meet all these collectors and creators. We've been to NFT MIC, we threw an event there. We went to Lisbon, threw an event there. We went to Art Basel most recently, threw an event there. Like we have really put ourselves out there and tried to build community in pretty authentic ways, right? So yeah, I'm really proud of everything we've done to, to connect. What else do you guys think makes us different as a marketplace? I guess we talked a little bit about product. Oh, I was gonna say like, I think we do try to like um, bring a flavor of like, you know, innovation to the space as well. And like, well, we're working a bunch of things under the hood. Um, I think we do come from the sense of like, hey, like we would love to like lift the bar and like kind of bring a better like experience or better like offerings or, you know, a better sense of, you know, trust or quality to our, to our end user ecosystem. So I would say like, you know, we're also like one of the first to do this like uh, white labeling partnership. Right, where like we see collections, collections spend, you know, it's like their baby, right? Like, you know, they've developed this collection, they've developed the brand and like, it's actually amazing. Like they, they, they built like something that people love. And, you know, I think we were one of the first to say partner Gecko, Birds, Radiant to like, you know, build, uh, help them have like a marketplace and a trading experience within their own, like within their own brand. And those like, collections really love it uh, as something that they can offer to their users. And on now, like on the minting side, now that we feel like we have a lot of traction in like the secondary space where, you know, we help users trade against each other or like, you know, um, uh, and trade NFTs against each other. We're also uh, moving to help like creators built like some new minting tools uh, for creators so that, you know, you don't have to pay really expensive developer mint stuff on the blockchain. We can mint like a 10,000 collection for in under 20. We're pretty strong in that secondary space where we help users trade with each other. But, you know, there are other players in the we would love to serve and help them have a better experience. One of the ones that we're concentrating on now would be like creators, right? Like so we've built this minting tool that helps creators easily mint stuff onto the blockchain. You don't have to pay like a super expensive developer to do so. Now you can mint like a 10,000 item collection with, you know, like less than 20 bucks, right? And everything is super simple, drag and drop, like a Dropbox type of experience, but you're using the blockchain to do so. And we also help you know, our users provide, do things like, you know, administer the mint or manage the mint in a way that's super safe and deals with issues that they care about the most. Bots is one of the most like topical things right now in the ecosystem, where would be one of the first minting tools that have anti-bot prevention and stuff like that. We're pretty keen to like help everyone in the ecosystem and we want to bring some of our like thoughts and innovations in a way that like benefits everyone. I guess we're already talking about the stuff we're working on. Maybe Josh, and you want to talk about gaming a bit? Yeah, I think a lot of the gaming stuff is very related to uh, what Jack was talking about before, right? Like, think about creators of all kinds want to have a say in the way that their end user experience works end to end. And that's no more true than in gaming. You know, you can imagine when you're in the game or any game you're playing, you don't really want to leave the game to do anything. Right. You sort of want the end-to-end -end experience, both as a game developer or game studio and the actual person playing the game. All of that should live kind of pretty natively within the same experience. So we've been thinking about ways and around how do we like enable some of that functionality and support games 
from a marketplace standpoint. The obvious way, obviously, is to, you know, as these games have all of their open economies, they're going to have items that are NFTs, and those NFTs are obviously tradable. They're, they're obviously going to be tradable on Magic Eden. The other way is obviously helping games uh, drop their collections. And this is starting to come to fruition now with more and more games uh, launching on Solana. And then the third thing that we're pretty excited about is just partnering with games to power the in-game marketplaces. I'll say, for example, like Mini Nations, who we're obviously very close to. We did, we did that drop recently. We hosted an event with them in Miami. Good guys. So shout out Alex and Dennis. We're going to be powering the in-game marketplace, which is, you know, for them, they're a first-person shooter, right? It's kind of like a Fortnite-style game where you can think about just like there's characters, there's weapons, there's skins, there's all these different things that you can do. There's tournaments, there's, you know, events that happen over the course of weeks or months. And they have seasons in much the same way that other uh, shooter games do. So over over all of this, like think about just the sheer number of items that are going to be in this ecosystem. You know, part of the game is obviously just a larger open economy. So like there's going to be land and and buildings and all these other things too. So we're pretty excited to kind of power help them power some of that uh, universe in terms of just the trading side of things. Yeah, just a ton we can do from a, a category standpoint. Gaming is one of them, and it's, it's actually part of the reason we decided to build on Solana. It's like we think a lot of these use cases will proliferate faster on a chain that is faster and cheaper. So that's a big, big reason why I think that ultimately we'll see a lot more growth uh, and a lot of that growth quickly uh, on a place like Solana. Word. Sid, you want to talk about our app? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we do have a few, you know, big things that are coming. You know, obviously we uh, have a big change to kind of the marketplace uh, going to be soon where you'll be able to make bids to any items, not just, uh, you know, items that are listed. I think that's a really big change. You know, beyond that, we are launching our mobile app very, very soon. It's going through App Store review uh, right now. For everyone, you will see a first glimpse of um, the, you know, Android mobile app uh, coming out in into beta. To me, like, the... Um, the NFT experience is like it's like the first kind of mass consumer moment for crypto. And I actually do believe that like the future of NFT will live on mobile. Uh, in our first mobile app, we're like really emphasizing on things like, you know, just like a great browsing experience because like many mobile wallets are not ready yet. And then we're going to like, you know, have it such that like you can use it to keep track of like the NFTs that you've, you've listed uh, as well as like the NFT collections that you're interested in. Uh, so that you can like, you know, basically, you know, look at the, how the market is going on, on the go. Uh, and that's something like, I think, you know, it's not surprising for anyone in the NFT space. That's like definitely something that, you know, you know, a pain point that kind of comes up a lot. When iOS? When iOS soon. <laughs> Very soon. I think Android will come out. Um, so actually, you know, the story behind this is like, you know, us, we are actually like a very, as a company, we're actually quite big on Android. More than like half of uh, the people that work at Magic then use Android. Seventy-five percent of uh, the founding team use Android, which is like to my surprise, and <laughs> which is actually it's actually a really good thing. I think like you know, um, you know, NFT and crypto is going to be such a global movement, and globally, Android is definitely bigger than than iOS, right? Like I think that in Silicon Valley, there's just this ethos of like aggressively focusing on iOS and completely ignoring Android, which like actually 
is the case in like every tech company that I've worked at and also like, you know, talked to. Um, and I think that, you know, big, but, but, you know, that makes sense because like we, a lot of the users are in the Western world where, you know, uh, iOS dominates. Uh, but so many of our users are international users and, you know, Android adoption is actually really, really high. And I'm actually really happy that we uh, have this like kind of focus on Android and we can like really make sure that we give equal love between Android and iOS. And I think that's like really important. You know, it's like this equal access to uh, NFT for everyone in the world. I think that's that's um, really important and the Android strategy is part. And that's why we're launching Android first, actually. Yeah, I mean, our users are everywhere. I remember that week during yeah. Thanksgiving, you looked at the traffic and you were like, whoa, like the number one country is, is Russia. Because <laughs> I think, yeah. you know, folks were celebrating Thanksgiving. Um, but yeah, all right, that's really exciting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, as opposed to other apps like Uber, I think it's like 70, 30 or 80, 20 or something in terms of iOS and Android. So mm-hmm. uh, we are going to be very, very different. We're going to have a significantly higher percentage of Android users. Yeah, I think other big markets are what Germany. We have quite a lot of in Singapore, Korea. Uh, yeah. As well. UK. Yeah. Where? Turkey for us is Turkey. pretty big as well. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Cool. Looking forward to it. Um, sweet guys. I mean, we feel like we've talked about a lot today. Um, what are you guys looking forward to in the next month? It could be personal, anything. Yeah. You guys are going to be reuniting, right? This is a big thing. I'm, I'm on my way to Australia tomorrow. So I have, so a actually, trip. Did, did, have we, have we told the audience that we, uh, all from Australia? <laughs> so in case you missed this, we are all Asian. Um, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, they're all Australian. I'm not, but. You can be honorary tip. That's all right. Oh, okay. I've always wanted to be honorary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll be reunited. It's going to be sick. We. I'm on my way down to Australia. I'll be hanging in Sydney for a bit, and then and seeing the the rest of the boys here in Melbourne. It's going to be it's going to be yeah. sick. Are you guys going to have like a New Year's Eve party together? Oh, that'll be really good. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if timing works for you, Josh. We've got to show you around, man. Like, Melbourne's going to lift the average of your Australian experience. Seriously, though, if there's anyone listening to this, anyone in our community in Melbourne, let's roll through. We can do something. We can have a little Magic Eden event. Yeah. There's a DAO called Aussie Which is where I live. (laughs) We can hang out in Glenwaverly. Yeah, I'm kind of jealous. I actually wanted to go too, and but unfortunately, I can't because I'm not Australian. At which point, I think Joshin was like, "Well, we can adopt you," but um, unfortunately, <laughs> I, was, I was not adopted, so I'll stay in the states. But yeah, you guys should definitely do something. There's such a big crypto community there. I will yeah, say I this: definitely host something here. There's a there's a few thug birds in Australia, so you know, give, give me a shout, fellow <laughs> thugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Joshin is a very passionate thug. I've actually been looking at the Thugbird's floor price every day for the past 10 days. <laughs> Just like waiting, waiting for the right moment. But Joshin, anyway. are you going to cacao to the cacao? Is it, what is it? Cacao? Oh, yeah, do it. Yeah. Cacao! Love it. Well, on that note, I don't think we can, yeah, beat that. Um, thanks, guys, for joining. This was a, a nice chat. Hope anybody who's watching uh, knows a lot more about Magic Eden now. Um, we honestly work super hard. This entire team works basically every minute we're awake. And we don't often have the platform to talk about ourselves and to share who we are. And so, you know, we figured, like, screw it. We'll just 
we'll just make it happen. So we look forward to having these episodes every week, something like that, around every week. And we'll actually be profiling different folks who work at Magic Eden every week. So, you know, beyond this team, first of all, we have an an additional co-founder. His name is Rex. He's busy today and couldn't join us. But there are other, you know, like, I think we have nearly 30 people now working at Magic Eden, right? So lots of different perspectives across marketing, across BD. We'll get some DGens up in here. Charfu Monkey, aka Igor. Yeah, that'll be a lit episode. Um, But yeah, thank you for tuning in and looking forward to talking more with you. So thanks a lot. Thank you. Eden Hour. Thank you for listening to Eden Hour. This podcast is brought to you by Magic Eden, home to the next generation of digital creators on Solana. Find us on Twitter at magiceden underscore NFT and visit us at magiceden.io.